So yeah, this amazing passage that we've heard today, it's sometimes called the hymn to the cosmic Christ, the hymn to the cosmic Christ. And we're following the theme that Dan set out last week in this sermon series of being thankful to God. Uh, I'm going to look at three things, how we can thank him for the creation as a whole, how we can thank him for the new creation of humanity, and how we can thank him for the new creation of all things. And it will emphasize our need to share our faith, but also our need, as we've been hearing in the prayers, to care for his creation. But first I want to show you a video uh, that is going to illuminate the text, and then we're going to have words of a song as well. So watch closely. Keep an eye on Louise. Thank you, Louise. Yeah, <laughs> that's one video. We also have a song. And what I'd originally wanted to do was to have it on the, on the audio. Tracy will get there. But we found that there might be copyright problems if we played it, uh, and YouTube might block our video, so we don't want that of the service. So what we've got, Tracy has done the words of the song. And watch out, folks, because Joni Mitchell's not here. I am. Does anyone know this song? Come on, someone knows this song. It's called Woodstock. Anyone know the song? Okay, well, too bad. I'm going to sing it, just gently. <laughs> I came upon a child of God, he was walking along the road. And I asked him, where are you going? This he told me. I'm going on down to Yazga's farm. I'm going to join in a rock and roll band. I'm going to camp out on the land. I'm going to try and set my soul free. And here's the chorus. This is what we need to remember. We are stardust. We are golden. And we've got to get ourselves back to the garden. Okay, that wasn't too painful, was it? So yeah, this is what we might call, this is not a worship song, this is a secular anthem. This is a secular anthem that um, celebrates what the hippie generation of 69 thought was peace and love uh, that they found at the Woodstock Music Festival uh, in that year. And paradoxically, Joni Mitchell wasn't actually there, she was stuck in New York watching it on the TV, but she wrote this lovely song. I recommend you listen to her singing, which will bless you much more than me. <laughs> anyway, the story of creation, what we've seen in the video, from Louise to the universe and down to an atom, is set out in the first and second chapters of Genesis. Here's verses 1 and 2 that you know very well of Genesis chapter 1. It says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the face of the deep, surface of the deep, and the Spirit 
of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And it repeats, of course, for all the rest of creation. God created, but all the Trinity were involved together. God the Father created. God the Spirit hovered over the waters and brought order from chaos. And God spoke. Jesus Christ is God's word. Those words generated all that is, all that we can see in the cosmic eye, and more. And the role of Jesus in creation is also highlighted, of course, at the start of John's Gospel. Here's verses 1 to 3 of John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The Word is Jesus. Through him, as Genesis tells us, were all things made, everything and more in the cosmic eye, from the enormous galaxies and the universe itself to humanity and down to each individual atom. And John emphasizes too that Jesus was with God in the beginning, before time, before creation, before the Big Bang, the cosmic Christ. Amen? So yeah, these wonderful insights that we get from Genesis and from John are deepened in our passage that we've heard from Colossians. As we've heard, the Son is the image of the invisible God. He is the, the firstborn over all creation. In him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Amen? Amen. Jesus, as the image of the invisible God, is the creator of all things, with the Father and the Spirit. And when we see Jesus, who is the true image of God, we see God himself. He says in John 14, 9, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus is over creation. He is not in creation. And I'm going to suggest there are three crucial ways in which his creation goes beyond even that amazing video we saw of the cosmic eye. First, the creation, Paul tells us in Colossians, is not just of things visible on earth. The material universe we saw in that video from the mighty galaxies to the smallest atom. It's also of things in heaven and invisible. All the angelic and spiritual powers also found their origin in Jesus. Our guardian angels stemmed from his wise creation. And all the thrones or powers or rulers or authorities that are mentioned. These may of course relate to human, but it also I think relates to spiritual uh, beings, the rebel angels who were cast down to earth with their leader Satan. They were given free will as humans are. They chose to rebel. And theologians think that one reason Paul wrote the letter to the Colossians is because they were tempted to think that spiritual powers, rulers, authorities, etc., were very powerful. They were superior. They controlled the fate of people. His letters are showing 
His letter is showing that these are mere created beings. Jesus, the cosmic Christ, the firstborn over all creation, is before all things. He's the one we should worship and to whom we owe our allegiance and our thanks. He is all we need. In Paul's words, in everything he might have the supremacy. He has the supremacy in all things. So yeah, the creation is the, the spiritual realm and not just the material one. Second, matter that we can see in the cosmic eye is about matter. And a key line in what was read is, in him all things hold together. And here's a question, what are we made of? Do you remember what the song said? We are stardust. We are stardust. We are comprised, and Joni got that one right at least. We are comprised 95% of oxygen, hydrogen, nitrogen, carbon, calcium, and phosphorus, plus a few other elements. And how did those elements come about? The dust of the ground, as Genesis 2.7 puts it. And this is what scientists believe, and I believe it's how God ordered his creation, that we are stardust in the amazing process that God designed for creation. Because the universe originally was hydrogen and nothing much else. And the stars started burning, they turned hydrogen to helium, but that was all there was. You couldn't get life out of hydrogen. But what happens when stars run out of, uh, of uh, fuel? Some stars just get smaller. That may be what happens in an awful long time to our sun. But other stars that are big, they're unstable, and when they collapse in on themselves, they explode into supernovas. And it's in, we believe, the furnace of those supernovas that all these heavier elements, carbon, phosphorus, nitrogen, etc., were originally generated millions of years ago. And the debris of those stars drifted around the universe till they caught the gravity of a young and stable star, our sun, to form planets such as Earth, and they are the dust of the ground. Without Jesus, I believe, we are, we, we, these complex elements would not hold. What did Colossians say? In him all things hold together. He designed the universe in an amazing and precise way so that no matter uh, so matter would be the way it is protons neutrons electrons the things we saw on the video could hold together form the chemical elements of which Louise in the video anus are made and all living things so the second point is about matter the third point is that we're not just stardust what Joni says is not the whole story Genesis 2-7 has the whole story. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. That's why Louise is alive, we assume, on that video and not a heap of dust. As a living thing, she holds together. As we hold together, we grow, we live in a richer way than mere matter. We have life, we have breath, we have growth, as have all the animals, all the plants. Life is not just about material. 
without God's spirit, what in Hebrew is called the nefesh. We humans, animals, plants, we'd just be the dust of the ground, amen? amen. We would just be the dust of the ground. We hold together, again as in Colossians, we have life and we grow because of God's spirit within us. It's the Lord Jesus that the living things hold together. And it can be withdrawn, of course, when we die, when plants die, when animals die. Psalm 104, 29 says this, when you hide your face, talking about animals, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. That was written about the animals, but it also applies to us and everything that has life. All earthly life, not talking about eternal life, is mortal and dependent upon God's spirit. And Genesis 2.7, let me to repeat it to you again. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The man became a living being, yeah? I think he's very deep. If you remember one thing from the sermon, remember this and reflect on it. Because God has breathed the breath of life into every, every living thing. It implies that all living things are holy. They should be treated with the reverent respect that we reserve for God himself. It reminds us too that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit to be set apart for God's purposes only. Think about that. And all the more do we thank Jesus for his creation and for life itself. Amen? Amen. So that's the creation. But Jesus is not just the creator in this passage. He's also the redeemer of humanity. And Paul reminds us succinctly how humanity went astray from God and still does. It says, you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. This happened originally, of course, in Genesis 3. Adam and Eve chose to disobey God's command, considering that the fruit of the tree that they were told not to eat was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom. And they did that despite the presence of God's holy breath, the nephesh within them. They were given free will and were allowed to choose the wrong way. They were revolting against their creator, desecrating their bodies, the temples of the Holy Spirit. And the separation from God, of course, when they had to leave the garden, was symbolized by the cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. That's from Genesis 3 as well. That was what they did, but we're not innocent either, let's face it, nor were the Colossians. Instead of devoting ourselves to God's purpose, we have a tendency to look for autonomy, for self-sovereignty, for God-like freedom, just as they did. Searching for my own sins this week, I realized that one thing is the way I drive. I ought to drive more, less selfishly. When we examine ourselves, we can always find something where we're not doing things in God's will. And the separation from God, what we talked about, the angel, is not something from which humanity can save itself. Paul says in Romans, I have the desire to do what's good, but I can't carry it out. He was really desperate, as we know, Romans 7. Thanks to sin and the way Eden is indeed blocked, contrary to what Joni Mitchell said, remember, we've got to get ourselves back to the garden. Well, we're not going to get ourselves back to the garden. 
but Jesus might. The Woodstock dream of 1969, just I, I add in parenthesis, came to grief shortly afterwards. They thought it was all peace and love, then they had the Altamont Con Festival in California. The Rolling Stones hired the aptly named Hells Angels to provide security, and they murdered a man in front of the stage, just showing how things go when we try to get back to the garden without Jesus. Jesus was the only one who could resolve the problem of our rebellion. The passage says, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. The death of Jesus on the cross allowed us to be reconciled to God as he took the punishment that was due to us for our revolt. As innocent of sin and as God himself, the cosmic Christ, he could prevent, present us as holy to God, the way God made us when he breathed his holy breath of life into our nostrils. Washed in Jesus' blood, we can be clean despite our sin. As David said in Psalm 51, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow in Jesus' blood. That's the Good Friday story, of course, but as Dan reminded us last week, we can't have Easter Sunday without Good Friday and vice versa. Thank God. Paul recalls Jesus is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. Jesus' resurrection to eternal life is the forerunner of the resurrection of all who believe and trust in his name and his sacrifice on the cross. And even before humanity, it assures us we will, as Jesus promised to his followers, have life, have it to the full. And through his resurrection, we can fulfill Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. Amen? This is the hope held out in the gospel to the Colossians that Paul is passionate that they should hold on to. Remember what he said, continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from that hope. Following Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. Reverting to Joni's song at the start, when we follow Christ, we've indeed become a child of God. We have a personal relation to him, be it on the road to Woodstock or anywhere else. And redemption and new creation are clearly the work of Jesus himself with the Father and the Holy Spirit, but we've got a role to play as well. What is it? We tell others about the wonder of what he's done for us, that they too might be redeemed and become a new creation. Didn't Jesus command us to go and make disciples of all nations? And Paul says in Romans 10:14, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard. How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And preaching isn't someone like me standing on the stage. Preaching is your everyday conversations with people where you share your faith with others. Thanks be to God. They are so effective when you share your faith that others may become a new creation as well, accepting Christ as their Savior and Lord. Amen? So thanks be to Christ not just for his creation, but for his new creation in us. I'm coming towards a close, but we need to think now about the new creation more widely. 
because the new creation of Jesus is not just the redemption of humanity. Adam and Eve disobeyed God. What happened? It, the creation was cursed, and not just humanity. God said to them, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. And I'm reminded of this whenever I see my flower beds invaded by tenacious little lesser celandine. It's called lesser, but it just expands everywhere, and it's very difficult to get rid of. But yeah, more seriously, the ground continues to be cursed because of our greed and our ruthless pillaging of the earth's resources. For example, due to the climate change that Daphne mentioned in the prayers that we are generating, which is entirely contrary to the fact that originally, what did the Lord say? The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to worship, work it and take care of it. Genesis 2.15 and about Jesus, we've heard here in this passage, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. What does he mean by all things? All things in Greek, from what I understand, is the whole of creation, everything we saw on the video. And indeed, we read that this is the gospel that you heard which has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven at the end of the passage, of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So it's Christ's sacrifice on the cross, his resurrection, that proclaims the redemption of his living creation, as Daphne mentioned. And that living creation, remember, is also animated by the holy breath of life from God. We're supposed to redeem it. it it's to be redeemed from destruction. That's the wider cosmos, rise of creation of animals and plants. You'll notice the cosmic eye focused very much on the human being, which is fine, but it didn't mention all the rest of creation on this earth. In Paul's words, quoting again what Daphne said, in Romans 8, the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. The creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Redeeming the creation that Christ did on the cross in effect and through Easter is also our sacred duty to liberate it from its bondage to decay, to redeem it for Christ. In doing so, we will obey Jesus' command at the end of Mark. He said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Mark 16, 15. And it's clear what we need to do. A whole list. Reverse climate change. Leave wild spaces. Rewild the land so there's room for wild creatures. Generate power without using fossil fuels. Wind farms, solar panels. Insulate homes. Take care of farm animals. Don't exploit them like we do with battery hens. There's a lot to do, yeah? We need to roll our sleeves up. So yeah, Joni was wrong. We cannot get ourselves back to the garden. But as children of God, we have a duty to help to fulfill the new creation in Christ for all things, acting as responsible stewards of all things that God has made. 
In that way, the earth will be ready for the great day when Jesus returns and brings us back to the garden, completing his new creation. When we see in the holy city, the heavenly Jerusalem come to earth, the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. The process that finishes there begins when we take care of the creation. Amen. Psalm 104 proclaims, May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He does rejoice. May we rejoice as well in what he has done. We are his creatures who are animated by the breath and spirit of God. Maybe, may we understand that attending to the non-human creation as well as caring for human beings who cannot look after themselves is a form of attending to God himself. Thank Jesus for his new creation of all things that will be finally completed when he returns. So yeah, I conclude, we've seen that this amazing passage proclaims Jesus' lordship as creator over all creation, that he has redeemed humanity on the cross, and that he is also redeeming the whole of creation from its bondage to decay. And this is a process in which we are called to participate as we share our faith and act as responsible stewards of his creation. My prayer is that we may do so while all creation sings the praise of their creator. Psalm 148, may we like mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, praise God. Or as Psalm 150 puts it, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Over to you guys.